handicap analysis. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? We are the Roar, where every day is game day. The press box for Brad and John, 10.04 a.m. You want to get in, we want to hear from you. On the hardwood Saturday night, NC State 78, Clemson 77. The Tigers, another heartbreaking home loss, much in the same way, uh, same vein as Georgia Tech and Virginia. And now you can add NC State to the list uh, for teams that come into Little John and left the Tigers heartbroken. Clemson led by as many as 12 in the second half after trailing by four in the first half, and the Tigers had a 10-point lead uh, with about nine and a half minutes to go and could not hold on to it as NC State's uh, DJ Horn just absolutely went off in this game. 27 points, including the go-ahead basket uh, with about 10 seconds left. little runner in the lane. Uh, gave NC State the final lead, put them up 78-77, and then Clemson came down the court. Uh, Chase Hunter went went coast to coast, tried to get to the uh, bucket, and was unable to uh, convert. And then P.J. Hall kind of came in from the backside to try to get a put back. Uh, couldn't get a real good hand on it, and NC State got the rebound and threw it out. And that was it. That was the ball game. So it was a another... Tough loss for Clemson at home, John. Uh, any any initial thought takeaway? Tough loss at home. It's it's really tough when Joe Girard goes for twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Joe Girard, I thought played really well. I thought he um, he hit the huge turnaround bucket that I thought was the game winner. You know, I thought, well, that's that should seal it. Clemson's going to find a way and get another stop or two and be able to run out the clock and all that kind of stuff. And it just did not happen. Um, NC State deserves some credit here. Okay, now, did Clemson fall apart? Should they win the game? Yes. But DJ Horn was just so relentless, John, offensively. He took 20 shots in this game and hit 10 of them. Really impressive performance offensively for him. And and that, that last shot... You know, I think I think you can go back and, and see a lot of breakdowns there. You know, he, he gets on the other side of the screen, rolls off of it. He's got momentum going toward the basket. You know, I thought I thought PJ probably should have should have made a harder move out to the lane to sort of stop his his progress and he sort of hesitated and and then tried to back up and really didn't get a hand up to really force a, a difficult shot. So and then Hunter's trying to come back, you know, come off the screen. I mean, it was a well-run play by NC State, but I don't think it was especially well defended by Clemson at the end. He just got too good a look. Uh, Clemson kind of got away with uh, DJ Burns in the middle, getting in foul trouble. You know, he he was 6-9, but I think he hit his first three shots, and they only hit three shots the rest of the game. I thought Clemson did a good job defending him, in the especially in the second half when they were trying to get, you know, try, they tried to run everything through him. But they, I thought they did a good job of just, you know, I thought Godfrey played him well when he was in there for 23 minutes. I thought Godfrey had a good game. He did. Godfrey was the star off the bench for the Tigers. Uh, you know, I, I thought on both ends of the four, scored 10 points, grabbed six rebounds in, in 23 minutes. But I was, 
I was I, I thought Clemson handled Burns as well as they could. I don't know what you do about Diara. Uh, Muhammad Diara stepped out and hit three three pointers. John, I looked it up. He has not hit three three pointers in a game his entire career for two seasons. Now he has not been able to do that. It was a career high of threes for him, and all three attempts went in. That's the thing. He took three shots. He made all three of them. He hit a, he hit two clutch ones in the second half. That you're just like backbreakers. You know when Clemson's trying to get a little bit of a bigger lead and feel a little comfortable, and then he goes out and just drills one, and now all of a sudden NC State's got some life, and they're still chipping away. So it wasn't it wasn't just all horn by himself because Burns really got taken out of the game a lot, and then ended up fouling out. And I thought um, I thought I was you know seeing things when I saw that he fouled out. I was like, what? <laughs> The rest fouled out the the big man for NC State in this game. I, I was a little surprised by that, uh, but I, I don't think that in terms of the big picture, this was a devastating loss resume wise or anything like that. But I I, I just think it, it continues to put Clemson in a little bit of a hole that they've been trying to dig out of for conference season because you got to be on the right side of of the conference record. You got to be on the the winning side in in the wins and losses. And, of course, this is a little bit of a setback there. Now it's 7-7. Seven and seven. It puts a lot of pressure on the Tigers going to Georgia Tech. Puts a lot of pressure on the Tigers against Florida State at home. Like You talk about two must-win games now. I'm not saying if they lose the whole season's over. But just you can't continue to – like the hole just can't get bigger, John. No, I, I agree with you there. This is you, – you now have a sense of urgency into this week uh, where you need to get both of these games and uh... – that's a tough loss for the Tigers Saturday. There's no other way to put it. It's a bad loss. Yeah, I, if if I'd give you those three games, State, Tech, and Florida State, you would say win win two or three, right? Yeah. Like you would fuck you had to win two. Well, we three. talked about it uh last week that it was it like what six or seven out of the last nine is what we felt like Clemson needed to do. You didn't have to go undefeated here. This is and I think part of it too, where we're we're struggling with this conversation about the basketball team and our initial reaction of oh, doom and gloom and everything's over. Brad, what happened in the net ranking on Saturday night after Clemson lost this game? Uh, I think they dropped three spots. From 25 to 28. I believe that to be correct. Somewhere in, in that range. Yeah, they are currently 27. They actually moved up a spot yesterday. After yesterday, I should say. So you're not on the bubble. So they, they, they you're, you're still spots. squarely in the in the big dance. That that oh, did yeah. not that did not change. But I saw a lot of things on Twitter over the weekend. We've seen some things on the Amsco Roofing text line this morning where people are starting to pay anything like this is not a tournament team. And, folks, we just got to change our perspective here. No, 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 no. There's there's, there's no reason to overreact. We don't. We got accused of overreacting to three wins. Let's not, let's not double down and overreact to a loss here. Uh, but I I don't think you have to do that. I I understand frustration. You should be frustrated. You had a twelve point lead in this game. Clemson should have won the game. Sure, frustrations are valid. I totally buy that. I'm frustrated too. But in the in the big scheme, did this change the outlook of the of the entire season? No, it it just didn't. It just didn't. that's what I wanted to make sure that we got across here. Yeah, and I mean I I got in the car and my and my son is like, so what does this mean for the season? And I'm like. Not great, obviously, but not a whole lot. And he's like, "Oh, okay," you know, like he he understood what I meant, and then that was that was the end of that conversation. Yeah, Texer got in, said Joe Lenardi had them as a five seed before the game and a five seed after the game. Really? Yeah. Didn't didn't change their seed line at all. 
again, what, what Clemson is playing for is the opportunity, I think, to have a high seed, like a, a, a top four seed in the NCAA tournament and a top four seed in the ACC. Both of those might be coming off the table, you know, or at least trending in the in the wrong direction to accomplish one of those two things. But I don't I don't think this season is doing anything or this this law is doing anything to derail an entire season. Just wanted to be be clear on that. Uh, but why why did Clemson lose this game? You know what what was the the biggest causing factor? NC State had something with that, but I Clemson just John I I don't know why this team can't figure it out at home in in close games. Why they just can't seem to make the right decisions not turn the ball over at the wrong time, get a decent shot. The thing is, they got a great, they got two great shots from Joe Girard down the stretch of this game. Huge shots by Joe Girard. Why couldn't they finish? What what was the issue? That's what that's what I came away asking myself. Why does this keep happening to this team? And I feel like if either of us had the answer, Brad Burnett would employ us. Yeah, and unfortunately we don't. So we're here today trying to answer it on the air instead of in his office making more money. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that, you know, the obviously the pieces there should result in a better outcome than this. And yeah. the last second, like, okay, go back. Um, Georgia Tech game, Clemson did call a timeout, correct? believe so i'm trying to remember if it was regulation or overtime but yeah i believe i, th- I think i'm yeah i don't remember which i think i think it was overtime i'm thinking they did call a timeout set up a three-point shot by pj hall at top of the key the game against virginia they did not and brad brownell pointed that out that they were criticized for not using a timeout and getting an open three from jack clark and then this time they also don't call a timeout and they opt to just run it out again so is there a could you make an argument that you should be calling timeout in that situation? Well, two instances say that it didn't work out. You could say yes. But I also think you have to understand in this situation, ball goes through the basket, ball ends up in Chase Hunter's hands. Isn't that what you would want if you were if you were diagramming something to happen? If you're going to call the timeout to draw something up, you want to get the ball in Chase Hunter's hands as the point guard to lead the ball down the court to set up something. Regardless, you need Chase Hunter getting down the court. Even if you're going to use a timeout, you need the ball in his hands because he's the fastest player on, that you have. Yeah. So you need him to get down the court. So he's got momentum. He's going down the court. They're not defending him well. John, he went right through the the backcourt of NC State, correct? I mean, just yeah, ran right through it. Right through it. So it, if, if the ball hit up in someone else's hands, if Jack Clark has to bring the ball up, you probably call a timeout there, right? You'd say, just get across half court, stop, and call a timeout. But I can understand in this instance, they're all different situations, and that's what I'm going to try to illustrate. In this instance, you've got a player coming forward with momentum and not getting stopped defensively. I'm not surprised they didn't call a timeout there. I'm a little surprised they didn't do it against Virginia, but I'm not surprised in that situation they didn't because NC State didn't really pose any roadblocks to stopping Chase Hunter to get to the basket. And he got all the way to the rack and was just simply unable to convert. But I, John, do you think you're going to be able to call timeout and draw up a better play than Chase Hunter in front of the rim? I, I know there's a guy right in his face and he's having to get over him, but he's what two feet from the basket. 
Are you going to draw up a play with five seconds left, that's six seconds left, that's going to allow you to get that that kind of shot? Probably not. With the momentum of a player going to the basket with the defense, almost the entire defense behind yes. him. Yeah. There's one guy at the rim. The rest of the defense is behind him on the other side of Chase Hunter. It, it, so in this case, I understand not calling timeout. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. Uh, we got two texts here. Um, one texter gets in, you got a better look than you would have if you caught a timeout and let NC State set up the defense. Another texter gets in, Chase Hunter drove, like people said, he should have done against Virginia. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have beef with not calling timeout there. Neither do I, because I agree with you that if you're going to call a timeout, it's to get the ball in Chase Hunter's hands where he can get past the defense and get up the court. Well, he did that without having to call it. You're not going to get a situation where the entire defense, except one guy, is behind the guy going with the momentum to the basket. And if that shot goes in, NC State's probably got maybe three seconds left to try to inbound and score themselves. So I don't. I just don't have a problem with it. It just didn't work, you know. And, and you got PJ trailing, so you've got your big guy trailing. Now, what Brad Brownell said after the game was that if anything, he wished would have happened. Chase would have dumped the pass off when he was driving into the lane to a wide open in Shefflin. And Shefflin would have had just an easy... I mean, John, he I went back and just stopped it, you know, to see. And, I mean, Shefflin could not have been more open. But I don't, I don't think you get mad at Chase Hunter for that. I mean, he's trying to be aggressive and go make a play, and he probably thinks he's going to get fouled. And that's sort of a, kind of my beef. Sometimes I think Chase Hunter... Oh, that's my beef with think, basketball in 2024. So many fouled. guards think that we're just going to get in the paint and they're going to call it. Yeah, they, they think they're going to get every call when they get in the paint. They're almost anticipating the foul, so they're trying to make the shot. That's my biggest pet peeve with the sport right now. But look, it, not just Chase, I think across the sport. The defender made a good play. He he blocked Chase from getting all the way to the rim, and he forced him to put like a lot of energy. Like The ball just came off too hard. You know, if, if it has a little bit less on it, it bounces off the backboard and goes in. But it bounced off the backboard and rolled around the rim and popped out. And just couldn't, just wouldn't go down. Because there was so much English on the ball. So I think that from that standpoint, I just don't have an issue with how it was executed. Like the, 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 the play call, it just didn't go in. It wasn't executed to perfection. And it's really hard in that, in that situation. To me, what I'm trying to say is, I, 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 there's nobody to get mad at there, John. The last play, Clemson didn't lose the game on the last play. Clemson lost the, the game in the third minute, in the fourth minute, you know, when they let NC State come back. Correct, yes. That's where the game was lost. And I know that the last play of the game is all hyper-focused, and we put all our attention on that, but I know your point is extremely valid. Clemson lost the game when they blew the 12-point lead. Yeah. And, and look, was, was the officiating an issue? Clemson shouldn't have lost the game no matter what the officials were doing. You know, I, I am still surprised that Clemson did not get the call when P.J. Hall came up with a loose ball in the lane and four NC State guys just converge on him, and they're all trying to swipe at the ball and, and try, try to tie him up. He ends up on the ground, and they didn't call a foul. Again, that didn't lose the game for Clemson either, but I am just surprised in that situation the refs didn't call the foul. Um, that was sort of my takeaway. I'm like, wow, I, can't, I really cannot believe that P.J. Hall ends up on the court on the ground, and they don't call a foul, they call a jump ball. When there's four guys in there trying to swipe at Yeah, it. I could not figure that that call out at all in real time. Yeah. 6-5-4 Roar. You want to get in? We'll take some calls. Come up in the next segment. You got any thoughts on Clemson basketball? Please share them. 6-5-4 Roar. Back after this. 
2008 was an incredible year for me and my family. Not only was it the year that I became head coach at Clemson, but it was also the year that I found the only dealership I need for sales and service. Toyota of Easley is my kind of place. If you are considering the purchase of a new or used vehicle or need your current vehicle serviced or repaired, then I encourage you to go see the winning team at Toyota of Easley. Be sure and tell them Dabo sent you. Need to rent a mini excavator like a Bobcat E32, a skid steer, or a wood chipper? Maybe a smaller tool like a pressure washer, jackhammer, or compactor. McNeely Store and Rental has got you covered. Clemson alumni owned, renting equipment and selling materials for more than 30 years. We also sell septic materials, ADS drainage products, concrete boxes, real stone veneers, and more. With two upstate South Carolina locations in Clemson and West Union. Call 654-9187-Clemson or 718-1449 West Union. Mark your calendar for February 26th from noon until 1.30. It's the annual State of Clemson with special guests including Clemson University President Jim Clements and Clemson City Mayor Robert Halfacre. Register at the Clemson Area Chamber of Commerce website at clemsonareachamber.org. Join area leaders and businesses for the annual State of Clemson, Monday, February 26th at the Madron Center at 12 noon. Advanced registration is required. clemsonareachamber.org. Hi, I'm Jake Wilson, and as the owner of Iron Drive Floor Coatings, I'm proud of the product we've delivered to our customers for nearly 15 years all over the upstate. If you're considering having your garage floor transformed, check out our five-star Google reviews as well as the gallery of homes we've completed. Don't just take my word for it. See what other homeowners have to say about Iron Drive Floor Coatings. Our website is irondrivegaragefloors.com. Schedule your free quote today, irondrivegaragefloors.com. Landscaper Supplies, your locally owned source for all your hardware and outdoor needs. They offer the best brands with the best solutions and the best service. Take advantage of their Scoop There It Is Mulch Made Easy program. It's premium quality mulch, soil, stone, or sand delivered right to your home with locations in Easley, Greer, Seneca, Simpsonville, Anderson, and Greenville. There's a Landscaper Supply near you. A better experience for homeowners and pros alike. Landscaper Supply. Don't let turnover stall your business. HTI is the Upstate's trusted attraction and retention partner. We work with employers to provide all things workplace, including recruiting, staffing, HR services, team building, and leadership training. Call Ryan at 513-6563 or visit htijobs.com backslash upstate today. Again, call Ryan at 513-6563 or visit htijobs.com backslash upstate today. Clemson Nation, this is former national champion Ben Boulware. If you live in Anderson, Greenville, Clemson, or Malden, South Carolina, and you're looking for the best birthday suit in town, come get tailored at www.thejunkyardfitness.com. Come by and see us at our four locations in the upstate of South Carolina. Your first week is always free. Live and local sports talk coming to you from the Upcountry Fiber Studios. This is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Serving the five counties of the South Carolina Upstate. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. 105.5 and 97.5. We are The Roar. Where every day is game, game day.
We're back here live on the roar of the press box with Brad and John Carter Color Company, located at 1067 Tiger Boulevard in the heart of Clemson, wants to make sure you get the paint job done the right way. They work with contractors. They work with do-it-yourselfers. If you got a project you're trying to knock out, there's no better people to talk to than the Carters. They're there when you walk in the store. They want to help you in every step of the way, whatever your project is. You can talk to them about it, get advice, rely on the expertise that the Carters have. Over 20 years in the business, they know the paint side. They know the sell side. They do it all. Uh, they specialize in paint. This is what, And the Carters want to help the community, the surrounding area, Clemson and the surrounding area. Get their painting jobs done the right way. I've done painting, and there's nothing more frustrating than having to go back over and over again, get more paint, more products. You left, you've got to get a brush, you've got to get the rollers, you didn't get the right amount of paint. It can be frustrating. Not at Carter Color Company. Let them help you today. 1067 Tiger Boulevard, right in the heart of Clemson. Speaking of Clemson, uh, John, I just I, I don't understand it. But I just don't feel, we've talked about this before, but it's becoming more and more evident the more sample size we get. P.J. Hall is officiated differently than other big men in this league. I am convinced of that now. It was a a theory for a while, but I've watched it play out over the course of this ACC season, and I don't know why, but he just is officiated differently. His coaches said that. We have talked about that. And there's enough evidence now to, to say... He just is. And I, I I don't have an explanation for it. You asked me why, and I said, I don't know. There's no explanation, but a texter got in. You think Filipowski or Baycott get that foul call? Yes. 100%. If Baycott or Filipowski end up on the floor, they're getting the call. But instead, we throw a jump ball and give it to NC. I, it just made no sense to me whatsoever at the end of that game. And what's crazy is that I think they messed up on the call. They gave Clemson the ball on a jump ball. Because they, there was about 500 official reviews in the last five minutes of this game. It was, it was just out of hand. The officiating, the officiating I'm, not, I'm not banging on all officials. I'm just saying this particular game, this crew had a little bit of a hard time. Okay, they just did. I, I'm not saying they're horrible officials that can never ref another game in Clemson again. I'm just saying they did not handle this game very well at times. And that's not a side thing. They just, they had too many reviews. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And so they thought there was a shot clock violation but they also called jump ball. So they had to go to the monitor to determine whether they thought the shot clock went off before the jump ball occurred. And they ended up ruling it a jump ball. Had that gone the other way and it not been called a jump ball, it was Clemson's ball regardless, the possession error stays on Clemson, and then therefore that tie-up would have resulted in Clemson getting the ball at the end of the game there when P.J. Hall came up with a loose ball. I mean, I was 99% sure in the moment there was a foul. You know, I was like, oh, they're blowing the whistle. There's a foul. PJ's about to go to the line, have a chance to maybe put this thing away. No. No, they call it jump ball. <laughs> I, I understand that fans of your particular team, you're always going to feel like you're getting the wrong end of the deal from the officials. I think that's just kind of a natural fan reaction, right? But PJ Hall is being officiated differently in this league. I, you know, it was a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy that has now come to life. Because I just don't, I don't understand how he can get tackled, thrown to the ground. If they do that to Filipowski, we're stopping the game for ten minutes to lecture players for how you're just being, you know, not good sports. There is no chance Baycott ends up on the ground and the whistle isn't blown with a foul. Zero chance of that happening. Zero, zero. And you could go through a list of big men. 
they end up on the ground, there's a foul call. Not a jump ball, a foul. And I, I saw it at least two other times in this game where it's just, I mean, P.J.'s getting bodied and muscled and hit and taking shots and stuff, and they're just not calling. I'm talking about off-the-ball stuff, too. You know, like, he's just, he's held, he's grabbed. Like, they're they're just not calling stuff when P.J.'s in, in the game. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to pine for P.J. I'm really not. I just want consistency and officiating. That's all I care about. If it's not a foul, it's not a foul. But don't call it on, on him or call it on Shefflin when they try to do the same thing. That's what I don't get. But it is it is it is a problem. It is. And it and it's hurting Clemson. I don't know if it's hurting the outcome of the game. Clemson still should have won the game, regardless. Clemson should have won the game. They lost the game. The officials did not lose the game. So I'm not making excuses or crying here. I just think there's enough evidence to say PJ is not getting the calls that a lot of other big men of his stature and ability and experience level in this league would be getting. I mean, a guy that he's almost a no-doubter first-team All-ACC is... I mean, he's as well-respected across the league as any player in this league. But yet is being treated as in he's just some role bench player. I don't know if it's his... I don't know. I, I, feel, like he, he also take, I feel like he takes a lot of hard shots. And it just seems like refs are a little reluctant to do anything. Jamie at Beach Island's up next. Hey, Jamie, how are you? Good morning, y'all. Well, first of all, I kind of want to go away from basketball for just a minute and say how proud I am of this baseball team and Billy Barlow in particular. The man was injured. He came back. He had a rough first inning. He gutted it out and put together a stellar outing for the opening day. I am so proud of this baseball team. I really am. I really, really am. I'm just as proud as I can be of them. Should be, Jamie. You couldn't have asked, I agree. You couldn't ask me anything. You couldn't ask me anything better. I think they had timely hitting. I think they did just about everything right, you know. And for this basketball team, I know Coach Brownell is coaching his heart out, and I know these guys are playing their heart out, and I, I feel for them. Um, but, and like I've told you before, I could stand in an empty gym, and I could not do it. If nobody was in my face, I could stand there and take 100 shots and probably miss 99 of them. But you've got to make that shot, or you've got to make the right decision there. And it's just sad. But it is what it is, and this game didn't do anything for our NCAA tournament hopes, but my fear is we've got six more. <laughs> we've got to go to Georgia Tech, and I can't feel good about a team that's beat you in Clemson. Certainly they've got a shot to beat you in Atlanta. Oh, it's a must-win. I think, I think the next two games are, are very critical. Very critical, and that, that's why that's why the the loss hurt Clemson on Saturday. It didn't hurt them in the NCAA tournament. It didn't hurt their their net ranking. They ended up falling two spots. It hurt them in that there's just a little bit of a hole here that they they dug themselves out of one, and now they're starting to put themselves back in another. They have to dig out. The next two are very critical. So, what do you think, in your humble opinion, what do you think they have to do over the next six games to get safely in? Mm, safely in. I'm- I'm thinking four and two. Yeah, I, but I, I think that's extremely reasonable. Four and two. You know, I, I I think it's reasonable too. But here's the thing about that too. I don't know if I said it on this show, but these are kids. You never know what they're going to do. You know, and I'm that's not necessarily just Clemson. That's everybody. Yeah, these are kids, and you just don't know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, like, basketball is not predictable. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. That's right. That's right. So. 
listen, I enjoy the show, and uh, go, go Tigers. I think we'll get there. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate you getting in. Thanks for the call today. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Uh, I, I think you made some good points. Yeah, absolutely. What I do you appreciate think? you getting in, Jamie. For I need to pull up the rest of the Georgia Tech, Florida State. That's this week, Wednesday and Saturday. Next week, next Tuesday is Pitt at home, Notre Dame on March second at Notre Dame, uh, and then back home for Syracuse, and then on the road at Wake Forest in the regular season. Yeah, I also think you're probably gonna push back on me on this in terms of the NCAA tournament. You can go three and three, and you be. I think you're still gonna. You may it may impact your seating. The problem with three and three is that's ten and ten in league play. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a problem. So you're you're gonna have to you're gonna maybe have to win two games in the ACC tournament so you can finish with a winning winning record, record in, yeah. in league games. I, I still think they would get in, but I, it's I tell you what though, it's, it's going to be a really interesting case for the committee when they look at this. Like how much they hold the conference overall record against Clemson, and how much did that non-con just seal it? I still think Clemson would get in even at three and three. I do too. I think I think you're right on that. But it's it's not the most comfortable getting in. No, and and it, it probably falls off the five six line for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It would impact your seating, but you're still in the dance. They're, but they're not eleven seed getting in. They're yeah. not. A, they're not the one of the last four in. They're probably on the eight nine line which is not a good line to be on because not only you have to play an opponent who's very similar to you in terms of your, your stature, but then you got to play the, the potential one seed in, on the next game, second game. But what if you get Purdue to be the one then seed? Then you get to play UMBC or whoever, yes. Let's go. <laughs> then, you, then you have a really good path. <laughs> then your path is extremely favorable. But Zach Eady's really tall. They, did you see them lose yesterday? Yeah. Was that the Ohio State new coach gets fire bump? We see this all the time in sports, don't we? I think so. And I think it's also just it's college basketball. Like, you're not going to go with 30-0 and 0 or whatever it is. But Ohio State has been horrible for weeks. Oh, they've been atrocious. The guy got fired for cause. I mean, the team was very bad. Underperforming. It's also Purdue. Do you know who Purdue's three losses are to? <laughs> Please tell me it's the three big football schools. No. I, I was hoping they lost to Michigan. No. Uh, they've lost to Northwestern, Nebraska, and now Ohio State. So they it's only one football school. They didn't lose to Duke in the in the non-con or Arizona or any of the, or Tennessee or any of these teams. No, they've lost to Northwestern, Ohio State, and Nebraska. And if you're just dropping random Big Ten games to bad Big Ten teams, and you're a Big Ten team in the tournament, and they don't ever go any far. I feel really good about Purdue not advancing very far in this tournament. It gets clearer by the day, you know. I don't. <laughs> the, the here's my thing with Purdue: if you continue to lose to bad teams, no matter what your record is, if you're if you're only lost to bad teams, what are you going to be playing in the, in the first two rounds of the tournament? Not not, not a bad team. You can get from being a bad team, right? But you're not playing the upper echelon teams. That you you know you're you're playing eight nine seeds. You're playing sixteen seeds. Just say it. There's an opportunity for Purdue to get knocked out in the first weekend. It's becoming more and more clear by the day. You know, and if you want to hear us talk about Purdue being bounced in the first round of the tournament, Monday, March 18th, Mellow Mushroom with Clemson, 5 to 8 p.m., the Roar's March Madness Show. It's like 28 days away. We're going to have a bracket in our hands. Mm. It's just a matter of weeks. Cannot wait. 
Mark your calendars, folks. Yeah. 5 to 8 p.m. Be go there. Ahead and, go ahead and make plans to be out there with us. Bring your bracket. We'll probably have brackets. But make sure you got your bracket head ready to make some picks because that's what we're going to be doing out there as we go throughout the uh, the entire entirety of that show will be the bracket. And we'll break down every single aspect of it. Expect to see Clemson and South Carolina in that bracket. I do. As of right now? Yes. <laughs> Four weeks from now? Yes. Okay. All right. I, agree I don't think that's you. going to change. I agree with you. Now, South Carolina did suffer a loss as well. Another heart that was a heartbreaking loss for them too. Uh, I told you, I warned you, you, you you have been on the bandwagon for quite some time now for South Carolina and Lamar Paris. I've been observing the bandwagon. I don't uh, want to say I'm on the bandwagon. You've been walking beside it. Is that fair? I've been observing it. Is it fair At to close say, distance? You, as as the bandwagon is rolling, you're sort of adjacent. I think it's a very good way to put it, yes. I'll never be on the South Carolina bandwagon okay. of anything fair because enough. they you may were, take my diploma away. You weren't we weren't riding the wheels, but you were watching the wheels go around. Yeah, around. it's like you're standing and watching a parade go by. You're just standing there and observing. So if that's the case, uh, you probably were not happy to see LSU knock off South Carolina. I mean, but it always brings me joy when I watch the Gamecocks lose to the Tigers. Any Tigers. Oh, fair yeah. enough there. I, I told you LSU's a little pesky team, though. You can't just show up and expect to go through the motions and South Carolina not execute well uh, late in the game. And had a had a tough loss. I'm not, I'm not even going to say the things that are on the Abscorpy text line. Things that people are calling John right now. Can't do it. He he gets way oh, too. Some of these are upset. just not nice. <laughs> do, do those Chad, feel, do those feel a personal like personal shots? Well, from Chad the mailman, yes. Not Tar Heel Chad, who we're about to have on here. That's not the Chad I'm mad at. I'm mad at Chad the mailman. Let's go to Tar Heel Chad. He's up next. Hey Tar Heel Chad, how are you? Brad, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well. Uh, sounds like you had a good weekend. I I didn't want. To, I'm not changing the subject, but I did want to bring up Lefty Drizel. Oh yes. Um, I um, I mean, you honestly, if you don't have a sports show, you could do probably a week's worth of shows. But it brought a lot. I thought about my dad, who's a. We obviously know where we were UNC folks, but uh, we always pulled for Lefty not playing him. But just in a world full of stiff coaches today that just mumble nonsense. Um, we need more Lefty Giselle, more Mike Leach type, and, and Lefty was incredibly bright. Built a, uh, at four programs, uh, built Davidson into a national power in the 60s, and just some just fantastic team, great players, um, you know, great family. I think his son, I'm not sure if he's still coaching or not, but I know he was at the Citadel for a time. Um but just yeah, you know, from his time at Duke and having to go against Dick Bubis and G.B. Brown and mm-hmm. Daly and Dean Smith and Terry Holland and all that, man, just brought that. I, I, it was I thought it was a lot of memories when I was in, growing up in uh, in North Carolina, and I, I remember I grew up in a small town, Rocky Mount, which is east, where Phil Ford and Buck Williams went played at Maryland, and uh, Buck wanted to go to UNC, but. Technically didn't have the grades, and and uh, uh, Lefty said he would tutor him himself because he went to Duke. So yeah, he always had something to uh, to pull out of hat. But just what a, what a uh, great career, great family, just an incredibly legacy. Probably the two greatest games ever. My dad said was the the '74 the the game to go to the the when only one team could go against NC State, but also the following year. Uh, they beat NC State 98-97 and 75 to break uh, NC State's 38-game 
uh, win streak. And probably one of the craziest games was the South Carolina game, I think, in 71. Uh, lefty beat, and to get this, John will love this, 31-30 beat South Carolina in overtime. What a that was a scoring fest there, buddy. But, um, <laughs> Tony but, Bennett is somewhere smiling yeah. right now, thinking of that game. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to bring it up. I mean, I, he probably ain't gonna get a lot of run, but it's it's. I mean, one of the great careers. What a great guy and just a you know a character. So anyway, just wanted to bring it up, man. You guys take care. You too, Tar Hill Chad. Thanks for getting in. Um, I'm glad he did bring up um, Coach Drizel, who. If you know anything, if you studied or lived it or whatever, the history of the ACC, there's a whole chapter of the history of this basketball league on Lefty Drizel. Like, if you're just going through it, like you, you couldn't write a book about this league without devoting at least an entire chapter, if not more, to what he meant to the ACC. And he was, you know, Chad brings up some great points. He was a challenger, right? You know, kind of like Frank McGuire was. At South Carolina, he was one of the challengers to Tobacco Road. You know, he wanted to make it hard <laughs> for those. And you'll teams. always have respect in my book if you were trying to inconvenience those on Tobacco Road. You remember, you know how hard it was to make the NCAA tournament back in the day. Do you remember, like, you had to win your league? Yeah, and, you, it was a one bid. Every league was one bid. Yeah, he went to from seventy nine, and they they did start to expand it before he finished. But seventy nine through eighty five, eighty six. They went to one, two, three, four, five, six NCAA tournaments. Um, even before they expanded it, he was going to NCAA. He was making elite eights. Like he was, he was, he was special. Uh, Coach Lefty Drussell and Chaz, right? His his personality was one that um, stuck with a lot of people. And I still remember my dad teaching me all about Lefty Drussell before I even knew much about basketball at all. Six five four war. More to come on the other side. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. I'm Glenn Reese with Krispy Kreme Donuts in Anderson and Spartanburg. We're open seven days a week. Pick up some delicious donuts and a cup of coffee. Share a box or two at your business meeting, at church, or with family and friends during a time of need. Call Spartanburg and Anderson Krispy Kremes. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. Sure, you can wait until spring for spring cleaning. Or you could get an insanely clean home now by calling the experts at Zero Res Air Duct Cleaning today. They use ZR water to clean your carpets like no other. And no sticky soap residue. Your carpets stay cleaner longer. For the rest of the month, mention me, Mickey Plowler, and The Roar, and you'll get three rooms of carpet clean for just $129, plus a free staircase. Schedule online at ZeroResGreenville.com. Carolina Top Dressing is your go-to solution for maintaining a healthy and vibrant lawn. With our specialized soil conditioning program, we ensure your grass stays nutritious and healthy. Right now, take advantage of our limited time offer and receive a free lawn aeration when you sign up for our program. Trust us to help your lawn thrive all season long. Visit us now at carolinatopdressing.com for your free quote. And as always, Go Tigers!
Gilstrap Roofing has an experienced team that specializes in shingle and flat roofs for residential, commercial, and industrial customers. Their dedication to complete customer satisfaction is why a large portion of their business comes from repeat customers and referrals. If you need a full-service roofing contractor that has over 88 years of experience and takes pride in top customer satisfaction, Gilstrap Roofing has got you covered. Call for your free roofing estimate today at 269-1232 and online at gilstraproofing.com. Criminal charges are serious with life-changing consequences for you and your family. Let us help you navigate this process. Let us be your advocate at Ryan Beasley Law. I'm Ryan Beasley. Our law firm works in courtrooms across the state at all levels, municipal, state, and federal. We also work with students who face conduct issues at their colleges and universities. We work with our clients throughout this process from pre-arrest investigations to intervention programs as well as criminal trials. With over 20 years assisting clients, our firm has grown to include former state and federal prosecutors. Let us put this experience to work for you. If you are facing an investigation or criminal prosecution, please do not hesitate to contact us. Let us seek the best resolution for you. I'm Ryan Beasley, and I look forward to the opportunity to work with you. Ryan Beasley Law. Find them online at ryanbeasleylaw.com or call 864-679-7777. Ryan Beasley Law. I'm Eddie Bennett. Bennett Equipment is your premier independent local construction equipment rental and sales source. With three locations in the upstate and one in North Georgia, our Takeuchi lineup of track loaders, excavators, and wheel loaders, and full line of attachments are ready to make your jobs easy. So don't settle for less. Choose the best with Bennett and Takeuchi. Proudly supplying equipment in our region for 24 years. When you need equipment in the upstate or North Georgia, buy it or rent it from Bennett. Do, 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 do. Hey, what you gonna do when you gotta pee? You're gonna call Royal Flush at 238-8800. We've got your porta-potties. We've got your event trailers, too. Call Royal Flush at 864-238-8800 or visit them online at royalflushtoiletrental.com. We'll even pump your septic tank for you. Call Royal Flush because we're the king and queen of clean. So what have you got to do, 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 do? Call Royal Flush. Crank it up and embarrass your children. The Roar, where every day is game day. We're back here live on The Roar, 1046 AM. We'll get some NFL coming up. Tomorrow's tag day. It's when things get started. They got like what two weeks, I believe, maybe three weeks, that they can uh, tag players in the NFL. But we'll get to some names who could be potentially receiving those franchise tags later on in the show. We'll do that in hour number three. Six five four roar in college basketball over the weekend. We talked a lot about Clemson and NC State. Far from the only game to note, John, of interest <laughs> uh, that occurred over the, the course of the last couple of days. We talked about Ohio State upsetting Purdue earlier as well um you know brad there was a game that i had talked about on here that i was very excited to watch and that was number four marquette against number one yukon yeah it wasn't that exciting no was it? no turns out um yeah it wasn't entertaining at all yukon's a just a machine. 42 to 26 at half <laughs> they're a machine just rolling people is this i mean this team right now seems better than last year i think so 
Last year they had that horrible January where they lost like almost all their games in January, and then they end up making the Final Four and winning it all. Uh, feels like this team is light years ahead of that one, at least to start uh, the, the final stretch of the season here and then going into March. But really, really good team. Uh, Iowa State got a big win this weekend over Texas Tech. Alabama just obliterated, just obliterated A&M in every, every way. You know, it was nice to see, and you know, we talked about it on Friday, that you know Houston was going to be fired up to be hosting Texas because they were not able to beat them in football. Mm-hmm. They took care of business at yep. home in basketball, 82-61 to 61 over the Longhorns. Yeah, it was not close. There, there was not much to that. Uh, Florida knocked off Georgia, 88-82 on Saturday. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the big Houston win there. Um, I was looking to see his mother. Brad, you had on. a big win on Saturday. <laughs> Who? Tennessee, 88, Vanderbilt, 53. Come on. Vanderbilt doesn't count as a win anymore. In what sport? All sports any other than baseball? Them, any of them, besides baseball, any of them. Uh, Duke, so 70. I'm glad they get to keep cashing those checks, though. Duke, 76, Florida State, 67. Buda was just never in danger of losing this one. They they sort of kept the same margin basically the whole game, but uh, I, th- I thought McCain was just unconscious in this game. What did he go off 35. for? 35? Yeah. He hit three everything. Steals. Everything. I, I was at the the baseball game during this, but I watched the highlights of it. That man hit every shot, every shot under the sun. It felt like Brad. We got to bring it up. No, we don't. No, we we got to bring it up. No, no, we don't. We don't have to bring it up. Kentucky seventy, Auburn fifty nine. Never heard of her. Don't don't know oh, what you're talking be, about. Don't 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 be that war eagle. Don't know what you're talking about. Don't be that version of Auburn fan. What was I that? I will let you play deflection with Hugh Freeze and his nonsense, but I'm not going to let you play deflection here. What was that offensively? It wasn't there. Oh, it was putrid. They got so wrapped up in game day and everybody watching and then just came out and laid an egg. I mean, going into the game, they were 13-0 at home. They had smoked everybody in front of them. They they bought their own hype a little bit, and they were probably probably not as focused as they should have been for that game. I, I give you that. Just not a good performance. I mean, give Kentucky credit. What a defensive effort to hold Auburn to, what, 52? Isn't that right? 59. 59. 59. I mean, it was just a horrible offensive performance there. Uh, North Carolina knocked off Virginia Tech 96-81. Uh, the Hills needed to keep their uh, their control in the ACC standings, and they were able to do that. Uh, let's see. You mentioned um, we already talked about UConn game. I thought Virginia-Wake Forest was a very entertaining game. In very UVA fashion, <laughs> I, I did. I did, I called some of that game. <laughs> I, I was. I mean, forty nine, forty seven is the final. It is just Pete Tony Bennett and Virginia basketball. But it was a good game. It's what they do. They just win a really tight, down to the wire, last possession kind of game. Virginia's really good at that. Does that that bodes well for the NCAA tournament, doesn't it? Or for postseason, I should say, in general. I think to be able to win those kind of close games. Yeah, you, Virginia plays an inordinate amount of them. That's just what they're they're wired to do. So, and unfortunately, as Indiana State gets ranked for the first time since Larry Bird, oh no, was playing, they lose to Southern Illinois on the road this weekend. Yeah, uh, Kansas sixty-seven, Oklahoma fifty-seven. I got a chance to watch the second half of this one. It, it looked like it was going Oklahoma's way, and then Kansas just just hit a gear about midway through the second half and pulled away and won pretty comfortably, actually. Uh, on that one, uh, Miami went to Boston College and lost. We're, we're done talking about Miami, right? Like it's it's over. We're not even going to discuss the Hurricanes the rest of the year. Correct? Yeah, no, it's done. I mean, they they lost 
at Clemson and at BC back-to-back games. They were already in the 90s. I don't know what they are in the net now. There's no telling. But it may take you a while to find them. They're they're inconsequential at this point in the season. Great yeah. Final Four team last year. Let down team this year. Do you agree? Six and nine in ACC play. Yeah, huge letdown. I I, th- I thought they were one of the top four teams in the league. But now, after losing four of their last five, they take on Duke on Wednesday night. Mm, that's not going to get any better. They have at home Duke, then Georgia Tech at North Carolina, Boston College at home at Florida State. Mm. They they win what maybe one game? Yeah, down the stretch. Yeah. Georgia Tech 65, Syracuse 60. Uh, Tech continues to play pretty well at home right now. Syracuse not good on the road. Uh, Clemson heading there to Atlanta to take on the Yellow Jackets on Wednesday. So we'll monitor that. We'll break that game down later in the week. Illinois 85, Maryland 80. Uh, we talked about Lefty Drizel there who uh, passed away uh, this past weekend. Uh, where um, Lefty was... Just one of a kind, unique coach. You know, it was funny that we were just talking about Maryland the other day about how far that program has fallen to where I was watching their game against whoever it was, Indiana, I think it was, whoever. I don't remember who they played. But I was watching the game, Iowa. It was Iowa. And there's hardly anybody in the stands. There's no atmosphere. There's no crowd. That, you know, that just, that that made it very hard for Lefty Giselle to watch those games and see. And it's just sad that Maryland basketball what it used to be and what it used to stand for is what it is now. Yep. It's kind of like, it reminds me of Nebraska football. You know, I mean, and the, the fans still go to Nebraska football games, but just the, like, how special it was when you played Nebraska. How special it was when you played Maryland. Like, it mattered. That doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean a dang thing. And they're both in different leagues. Than they're used in the same in. league. No, I'm, I'm saying yeah. they're, they're, they're their glory years came in different leagues than they're currently in right now. Interesting. Something to, you know, keep in mind with all this conference realignment. I, I just don't. I, th- I think it hurts way more than ever, ever helps. Uh, Texture says the most one of the most impressive teams I saw this weekend was SMU. Yeah, they looked really good against Memphis yesterday. I mean, just routed the Tigers. It was not close. They that. That SMU team's good. I agree, Texture. I'm glad you got in and brought them up. Oh, they're getting ready for ACC ball. <laughs> hey, they, they, I don't know what their team will look like next year, but they might be a force in the league. Um, not like a huge force, but have have some say in how some things go. SMU's got a pretty good basketball program. Uh, yeah, 19-7 on the year, 10-3 and in league play. Yeah. Yeah, they look like the class of that, of that conference right now. Arizona. 105, Arizona State 60. I just want to sum up Pac-12 basketball with that score, John. That that's just pretty much what it is, right? It, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's Pac-12 basketball. There's one team. It's a one-team league. Everybody else just you don't have legend. you don't give much credit to Washington State being only a half a game behind Arizona and leagues. They're 20 and six overall. Arizona's 20 and five. They're 11 and four in league play, where Arizona's 11 and three. I know. No. You no. don't. You don't have much. I mean, UCLA lost to Utah last night by one point. I, you know, UCLA's played better in conference play than they did in the regular or the non-con. I just, I just don't buy anybody in that league. I, I don't even buy Arizona to be honest with you. At least in terms of a tournament team, because they always bow out early. So I, I just don't have any any good feel that anybody in the Pac-12 is going to make a run in the come March. Are you gonna are you gonna start trying to you gonna try to pencil in some Pac twelve teams? I mean, you don't have the matchups in front of you, obviously, with the bracket. But 
Do you feel good about anybody in the Pac-12 advancing them far? No, not really. I don't know how you can right now. Over in the standings right now in the ACC, uh, North Carolina leads uh, with a 12-3 and conference record. Just a tad ahead of the Duke Blue Devils, who are 11-3, and and the Virginia Cavaliers, who are 11-4. and So nothing decided in the ACC as of right this moment. Uh, Pitt, 8-6 and in third place, tied with Wake Forest and NC State, and then Clemson at 7-7. Seven seven. That's why that's one area that it, it did hurt Clemson. If you were hoping to get one of the top four seeds in the buys, and we, we, we said that earlier, a four seed in either the ACC or the NCAA tournament, probably not on the table right now for the Tigers. But had they won that game and were sitting there at eight and six, then they're they're ahead of Pitt, right? I mean, Clemson would technically be the fourth seed had they won the game because they won the head to head with Pitt. It stinks right now, but you're also not light years away from that, John. Clemson gets on another three game winning streak. Some of these other teams falter. They have a win over Pitt potentially and another one that could get them at home in Wake Forest, they can beat two of the three teams that are in front of them they can catch. They play them, Wake and Pitt. So all hope is not lost in terms of a top-four seed. It just it was, it was took a pretty big hit, though. You got to play your way into it. You're not holding on to it right now. It was a gut punch, no doubt about it. Florida State 7-7, seven and seven, they come to Tigertown this weekend. Syracuse uh, back now to 7-8. and eight. And then you get to the the bottom of the league here. BC, Vatek, six and eight. You mentioned Miami being six and nine. Notre Dame, four and ten. Georgia Tech, four and eleven after their win over Syracuse. And then Louisville, three and twelve. So uh yeah, I would I'd call it a must win game on Wednesday night down in Atlanta for the Clemson Tigers. I don't think there's any question about that right now. Uh John, in terms Texas was asking why are NC State and Pitt not close to the bubble do you have any thoughts on that i just want to know where are they in the net rankings uh that's probably a pretty good indicator and also that the acc is being viewed as a four-bid league right now nc state's still outside it's a 75th they're still out they're still too far outside to be considered team ranked 75th in the net's not going to really get a lot of consideration right now for a bubble spot Pitt is inside the top 50 right now I think Pitt should be talked about because I think if they finish strong down the stretch of the season, they're going to get an opportunity to be a bubble team. But, yeah, the Nets really hurt in NC State. They just don't have – let me see what NC State's resume is in terms of net wins. Um, one and six in quad one. Three and three in quad two. So they are combined four and nine in quad one and quad two. You're not, you're not going to get much consideration right now. Just don't have any – have enough marquee wins. And I, guess, I guess Clemson was there. That was the quad one. Is their quad one? So they were zero and six going into Saturday's game. Yeah, that's the, that's the number one reason right there. It's not a tournament resume, according to the net ranking. No, it is not. It is not. Uh, Since I know so much about the net ranking, you have studied the net ranking. You've become much more an aficionado on the net ranking than you used to be. I don't say you understand it. But you're you're getting the parameters of it better, correct? I've read the Cliff Nets. <laughs> I I've sort of forced you into this. This is my doing. I've sort of made you evaluate the net. A payback is going to be sweet. <laughs> it it makes you very angry to have to do it because you you don't like it. You don't understand it. It's somebody else's numbers. 
And you don't like somebody else's numbers. You only like your numbers. Well, and except for in hour one when we use Brian Hennessy's numbers, I like Brian Hennessy's numbers. Brian Hennessy's numbers were fine, yes. Those are very good numbers. <laughs> but you don't like somebody else's numbers that you don't understand. No. I don't trust them. Well, I don't I don't blame you there, but you do understand the net more than you did a year ago. Man, it's gonna be fascinating to see where I'm at a year from now. You might have the formula down. You might be teaching coaches across the country what the net rankings really mean. You might become an aficionado, a pure expert in the net. Hour three gets started here in just a few moments on the road. Don't go anywhere. WCCPFM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville Anderson, WAHT AM 1560, Cowpens.